0: Welcome back into the Irish NFL show from Croke Park in Dublin. One week away from the Super Bowl. Thank you very much for joining us. We're delighted to be joined with Jeff Reinbow from Sky Sports, among very, very many other things as well. Uh, presented by Mini Arcade Systems. And a week away from the Super Bowl, one thing we haven't really got a chance to look at is the head coaching editions. And we're going to try and maybe focus on a few of these each uh, this evening because there's been so much news in the NFL over the last week that I think it's important to take note of all of these. Mark, you're going to start us off. The Raiders, now, I wonder who put this together. You get to talk about Josh McDaniels, who I know oh. you know a lot about. Uh, uh, are you devastated that he's now uh, no longer uh, a
1: uh, Yes and no. I, the, the funny thing to me on this is the Raiders, to be fair, I think have run a very sensible process. So they said, we need to replace our GM and our head coach. So let's do what they did in San Francisco. Let's do what they've done in other places. Let's take a package. Let's say these two people are going to come. They're going to be joined at the hip. And we're not gonna have, hopefully, the backbiting between the head coach blaming the GM, the GM blaming the head coach. The last few days in Raider land, obviously with Gruden and Mayock with different scouting teams, different uh, analysis for the draft, is not a dysfunction you want to repeat. So actually Josh McDaniels is one part of the story, but Dave Ziegler, the Patriots director of pro personnel going over to the Raiders, is potentially even a bigger part of the story. Pats have been knocking out of the park on pro personnel uh, uh, assessment. Uh, and drafting and sorry and uh, free agency moves in the last while and he's definitely someone that's come through the ranks there very highly regarded by the organization and he might end up being the bigger or better hire. Um, It's funny there's maybe a little bit of controversy around head coaching hires this year guys Um, who who knows but uh, the Raiders don't seem to be tainted by it to the same extent but if you look at the last three Raiders head coaches they've all actually been out of the game before they've been out of a head coaching gig. They haven't been gone straight from a head coaching gig. They've been out of a head coaching experience before uh, coming back in to a head coaching role. And in fact, Josh McDaniels is longer away from being a head coach than John Gruden was, which is a random statistic. Um, He's a very good offensive coordinator. He has to have learned from his experience in... um, Where was it? Where was it? Oh, Denver. Denver. That's where it was. Well done. Don't know. Must have been inspired by that. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait,
2: wait. Wait wait, wait now. Does that count Josh McDaniels' dalliance with Indianapolis because
1: well and, and I was, was going to address that I was going to address that so it is I think most remarkable though the fact is he has definitely signed they wouldn't have let him gotten on the plane if they weren't guaranteed you're not going to stand us up at the altar once again and now in fact obviously he has started to build the team around him Patrick Graham has just been has it been confirmed or is it yeah it's been confirmed leaving the Giants joining the Raiders as their defensive coordinator the job he's done And he needs that compliment. I mean, McDaniels has been offense, offense, offense. You know, defense is important. So Patrick Graham previously worked with him when he was linebacker's coach at the Patriots. That could be a good connection. And I was going to bring in the Colts, Jeff, because, of course, the irony of McDaniels not going to the Colts was that his pick for DC, Matt Eberflus did still go and did still join. And now he is very much in the contention for head coaching jobs around the league as well. So... His influence still gets seen in many ways.
2: Yeah. And, you know, he, one of his young offensive assistants with the Patriots has agreed to go to the Raiders as the quarterback coach. So, yeah. Rob Ryan, who then I, we'll get in the speculation game a little bit right now, but Rob Ryan, who just uh, stepped away from the Ravens this week, and McDaniels are very close friends. And I would not be surprised if we don't see Rob be back in Raiders with the Raiders. And I, I sent him a text the other day and I said, Hey man, you do, you, you did your best work in silver and black. So I hope it works out for him.
1: And, and Rob Ryan won Super Bowls with Josh McDaniels when he was a low man on the totem pole, effectively back in the early first part of the Patriot dynasty, when Rob Ryan was the linebacker's coach. So exactly. it all goes around. Um, be very interesting to see how he develops there in silver and black. And I'm sure Denver fans will love to see him again twice a year given his record and the way he left town there.
3: The the biggest loss uh, in and Denver good for losses, but Josh McDaniels is responsible for our heaviest ever defeat to the Raiders. So seeing Josh McDaniels for the Raiders, it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, Broncos fans have a lot of memories, a lot of memories of Josh McDaniels' era. The trades, the videotaping of other teams, the losses. So yeah, he he certainly will have to have improved quite a bit. He's obviously very talented as an OC, but HC is a very different gig.
1: And, And Michael, one last thought how are the players going to react? They obviously were lobbying directly in relation to uh, their interim coach staying on. Um, They're not. Derek Carr's going to the final year of his contract and Derek Carr can be good Derek and Derek Carr can be bad Derek. And how McDaniels develops him or what he puts in place is going to be the fascinating part of this story. I think Derek Carr can thrive under Josh McDaniels, to be absolutely honest with you. I think he's an underrated quarterback. But this is what the drama and dynamic we'll see in Las
0: Vegas. Well, we, we've already had the CFL exclusive in Dublin. Thanks Jeff for that. I have, a, I have a, I've heard whispers of uh, Jaguars Raiders in London next year. So if that's the case, hopefully McDaniels gets home. Let's we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you'll be a happy man if Rob Ryan's in, in London next
2: year. Jeff. I, w- w- I would on. be because uh, he's a great guy. He's a really fun guy to be around, a great football coach. And um, you know, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, We're talking about how much a guy learns through that experience. And I I did that experience. And when you go from being a coordinator to be a head coach, you think you know, but you can't know until you sit in that office for the first time. And I'm sure Josh will be much better equipped to handle it the second time around. And like you said, Mark, having a guy that he trusts and he knows in there with him is going to be a big, big key. And then bringing Patrick Graham back is a tremendous move. They, you know, every head coach that goes into a situation, and this one is no different than any other. He, The first thing he's got to do is he's got to win the room. He's got to win his guys. And the fact that Carr was outspoken about, you know, wanting to keep uh, Rich Passaccia around and, and uh, you know, I don't think that's going to affect their relationship. I think Josh has been around enough to know that when he goes in there and he steps up in front of that football team, then he's going to have to bring the goods, and and if he does, they'll buy in. Uh, yeah, my statement on the London
0: game is an independent statement that is neither true nor false, and that is all TBC. <laughs> sure, that
1: News only. That's right, a disclaimer. But, well, but Michael, I was just going to say, as I say, no drama. They conducted their search, they figured on. out who they wanted, and they hired them. And the Raiders have had enough drama this year. But some head coaches
0: of uh highs have had a bit of drama brian haven't they well, i'm i'm happy brian that the guy's name is called brian i think it's great
4: brian david brian david yeah yep. but it's it's not so much about brian david initially it's about the fact that there's a new gm joe shane and it's a package essentially they both come from buffalo they've since brought in coaching staff from buffalo so it's very much the buffalo way joe shane was highly touted for a number of gm jobs uh, prior to getting the join's job general consensus is it's it's a smart move the Mars have finally looked to move away from hiring in-house. I think it's the first time since 1979. We brought in the GM who hasn't been directly connected to the organisation. And then I think it was inevitable that Brian David was going to come in and predominantly more so to try fix Daniel Jones because I don't think Daniel Jones is on the same level as Josh Allen but if you look at them, they do have similar attributes. He can, he's athletic when he gets going in terms of the, the run game. He does have an arm. He's inconsistency. When we had Sam Monson on last off-season, he said, Daniel Jones won't deliver the season but it won't be his fault it'll be everything around him such as the offensive line and that's consistent in which one john mara said at the press conference the the giants have done everything to screw the kid up to mess him up they haven't put the right things around him. i think part of the reason why they felt brian devil was the right fit he can come in we've seen what he's done with josh allen he took josh allen after two years when he was very consistent and has made him the player that he is i think to be honest it was cemented in in terms of him getting the job in his performance in, in kansas city albeit they lost the game with the 13 second fiasco at the end, the performance and the level of play that Josh Allen put on that night, that's the expectation that somehow they can get that from Daniel Jones and then put weapons around him. The Patrick Graham thing for me is a big loss because I can see all the reasons why Dable got the job and he straight away at his press conference said, this is a job here for Patrick Graham, we believe he's gonna stay on as a defensive coordinator. He went for the head coach position, he didn't get it. He went for the head coach position in Minnesota, he didn't get it. He took a lateral move to move from Miami to the Giants as a defensive coordinator. And essentially, that's what he's done now. So it's a big loss. The names out there now is Wink Martindale. He's obviously been released by the Raiders as a defence coordinator. That looks to me like it would be a very smart move because what we saw from the Ravens throughout the years, and it was a bit of a surprise that he was let go by the Ravens. I'm, I'm delighted. Most Giants fans are happy with the move. It's kind of floating under the radar because of the Flores situation during the week. A lot of talk was Mara wanted Flores and Shane wanted the new head coach. And what Mara did say was consistent from day one, the GM will select the head coach this time not the organization we will not get involved in the hiring process which is good to see because for too long they have been putting themselves in positions that they shouldn't be
0: absolutely and it's going to be interesting what happens in new york uh so much change in this in the league over the last few weeks column uh you're going to look at the broncos uh nathaniel hackett who was the oc for the packers is taking over
3: Yeah, I think a little bit of a surprise. Um, The rumours had been that it was going to be Dan Quinn, and their rumours probably going back all the way to November. It seemed like Vic Fangio's days were numbered, so Dan Quinn was talked about. And then... He, when Hackett got the job, Quinn removes himself from the job pool and says that he's staying at the Cowboys. So, I, I wonder uh, around what the Dan Dan Quinn's thought process is there. But Hackett is in. Um, it wasn't uh, John Elway or Joe Ellis who uh, conducted the hiring process this time. It was George Payton, and so he's gone with an offensive-minded uh, guy which is a change. And I think for Broncos fans, the change in energy is good. Uh, Vic Fangio was uh, kind of a grumpy grandpa. And in his first press conference, he questioned Von Miller, which never... uh, Talk about getting off on the wrong foot. When you walk in and your first remarks are, "Ah, I think Von Miller's been okay, but I expect more of him from a guy who, you know, won the Broncos Super Bowl 50. Um, Hackett has brought a lot of energy. Um, He... I suppose the the big question mark is what does it mean in terms of quarterback? And ultimately for any head coach, you're going to live or die by your quarterback so you can have the best uh, head coach in the world but if they can get by with a season right maybe um, you can have a case Keenum type season where a journeyman um, goes out and does an amazing job but ultimately you've got to bring somebody the rumor is obviously Aaron Rodgers but then he's gone and bought a house in Tennessee so I, I would say and I would hope and I don't think George Payton is the type who would hire based solely on oh we're definitely going to get Rodgers um, one thing though has been the I talked about the energy I saw him last night Jeff I'd be interested in, in your take on this as as a coach Hackett has really endeavored even in the first couple of weeks to kind of be part of the Denver community he was at the Denver Nuggets game last night he was participating kind of beforehand he had the jersey it was all stuff that Vic Fangio never did Vic Fangio was very much football focused he went to the podium he kind of had a jersey put on him but he couldn't even name players whereas Hackett seems to have come in and really wanted to get involved in the local community how you've talked about winning over the players but like how important is winning over the fans in the local community when you take um, a head coaching job I think
2: that particular situation it's really important because this is an organization that was as proud as any in the National Football League and had a tremendous history and you know had won Super Bowls and been to playoffs numerous times, and you know, again, great players and a real love affair with the community. And that's fallen apart now a little bit. And the uncertainty about ownership in Denver has been a big part of that. Uh, the fact that they can't seem to get the quarterback thing right. Um, you know, this is a team that when we watched them win the Super Bowl a few years ago against Carolina, we said, you know, they're going to be here for years to come. You know, we thought this is going to this has the chance to be a dynasty. The defense was all young and then they just imploded. And it's been a it's been a embarrassment in the community. And I think that, you know, Nathaniel's doing the right things. Now, bottom line is the bottom line. You got to win. And but you can you can win the hearts and minds until that time. And, you know, I don't know what that's that's that was really an interesting job to me because it seemed like everything was in place except one position. And um, whether they're going to be able to do what you're talking about, bringing a stopgap guy, because that's kind of what Teddy was going to be. But, you know, they're, they're not the only franchise in the league that's in that situation. And I think to be able to compete in that division where you've got David Carr and you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Justin Herbert, you've got to find a quarterback some way. And that'll be, I'm sure on everybody's mind i think the first thing that needs to happen for the broncos to get turned around though is they need to get the team sold get a get yeah. new ownership and then go from there
1: yeah oh, sorry i was just on that jeff i was going to say i don't think anybody can blame dan quinn even if he was offered it if he turned it down because you don't have an owner you don't have a quarterback so it's not actually that attractive a job uh in relation to it but i was going to ask you a question I actually come back to the giant situation with patrick graham jeff because you're you know You've coached for many, many years. And it's not just the team dynamic and the player dynamic and the ownership dynamic. It's that relationship between coaches. And I'm I'm curious, Patrick Graham was a linebacker's coach at the Patriots when Brian Dabble came in as a graduate assistant, effectively. And then he grows and becomes an offensive assistant and then goes and grows his career and is a great coach. But is that maybe part of the dynamic there in terms of the Giants to say like, hey, you know, there are guys coming in now that's my head coach and is my boss who, when we started, my, my career hasn't gone the same way. I mean, he, he was the the kid out of college, the kid off the street. I mean, does that come into the factor Is the human element when the coaching dynamic uh, a big part as well,
2: well? You know, again, human dynamics are always a part of it. Anytime you're putting together a staff and you you know, these staffs now are 20, 25 guys. So you got a lot of personalities, you got a lot of egos. It's, it's an ego driven business so you know i can't speak to those you know you know individual you know mechanics or individual relationships but i do know this when when you look at the patriots and this is important to understand almost exclusively the patriots bring in entry level guys and then they basically let them cannibalize one another and the the strongest survive. And you look at that's just the way it's been done there forever. That's the way Bill Belichick wants it to be. That's how he came up in the Baltimore Colts organization. He started out driving from Baltimore to Washington Dulles Airport to pick up players and bring them back to, that was his job. And then eventually he got into scouting and coaching and so on and so forth. But that's the way you're gonna come up in that organization. They don't want, and and I've heard him say this, He doesn't hire veteran coaches because he's not interested in what they're doing. He wants to teach you what you do at New England, the Patriot way. And, you know, again, that there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why that works. And that works particularly well in that situation where there's one person that you need to please. And that's Bill Belichick. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons, too, why a lot of his guys. And you talk about McDaniels and you can go through them, I mean, write down the list they've all kind of flirted with success for a little bit but then can't seem to you know ma- capitalize on that and i think part of it is because they're they're working in an environment that's not like what they were used to in new england and then you try and do it like bill does it well he, that's really difficult because bill own he, he answers to mr craft but he makes all the football decisions
4: i just want to jump back to the brown quest for a second jeff last april we did a live show for the draft and the guys were, I suppose, convinced when they hit number nine in, in terms of the order that they were going to select a quarterback, and Justin Fields was on the board at that stage. And obviously, the Bears traded up with the Giants. They picked Patrick Sotain. If you look at that pick individually and production levels over the season, great pick. But in hindsight, do you think the Broncos really should have went for the quarterback at that stage?
2: I don't. My thing with Justin Fields was. And not necessarily. I don't mean necessarily.
4: Because it could have been Mac Jones. I, I, should sure I, they have I, gone for the quarterback at that
2: stage? I think they, you know, again, their situation was so unique in that. Um, you know they they were. There's a dynamic in that organization where John has been was a great quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, and he has struggled to be able to find one of his own. One, you know, he's I mean I don't know how many Paxton Lynch you go through, Simeon you go through bunches and bunches of them. Uh, yeah, exactly, and and they can't seem to find one, and I think that there was so much pressure on them. And then when they brought in Teddy, and you know the, there were still enough people in the building that felt Drew Locke could get it done, they said, "Well, let's go with the best available player." I think it was a good choice personally, because I'm not sure that even Mac would have functioned well in that in that system last year. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big Justin Fields fan personally, um, so. When you got out, when as soon, and this is going to be even tougher this year because there's only, I'm not, there are fewer quarterbacks in this draft, but there wasn't, to, in my mind, a great number of what you would consider first-round talent quarterbacks in the draft last year. There were a lot of guys that got drafted there, but that's because they got overdrafted, not because they were talented enough to be first-round picks. Yeah, and you're talking about Justin Fields there, the Bears, say have Matt Aberfloss as their new
0: head coach. You were speaking off camera about Doug Peterson, obviously Super Bowl champion with the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Yeah, and you know what, Doug was, Doug was one of our quarterbacks. We we uh, talked about five Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Well, 1995, our quarterback to start the season was Gino Toretta. And Gino had been a Heisman Trophy winner with the University of Miami. And then I, th- I can't remember where he, somebody allocated him to us. It may, may have been San Francisco. And about week four or five um he was struggling and so the head coach called the nfl offices and said hey i you better kiss another quarterback this guy's having a hard hard time and they sent doug over doug peterson came over who um uh, was allocated by the packers i think and he was our quarterback for the last six games of the season and did an outstanding job and what a great great person and this is a this is a kind of an interesting story too because i that was 1995. I did not see Doug again until 2008. And I'm recruiting at SMU and I go to a, it's a, a small private uh, Baptist school in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I they asked where the head coach's office were. And they said, it's back in a trailer in on the back of the campus. And I walk back there, I open, knock on the door and the coach says, come on in. I open the door and it's Doug sitting there. And Doug was a, high, was a high school coach in Shreveport, Louisiana. Five years later, he went <laughs> into Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. So it just goes to show you that, you know, coaches in the NFL come from a lot of different backgrounds, but he got an opportunity to go back, be a quarterback coach, I think for Andy Reid. And then that's where, how it went.
0: Yeah, uh, O'Connell is the new head coach of the Vikings. Jim Harborough steps away there, goes wow. back to Michigan. Uh, he was interviewed on National Signing Day. So he's not going there. Uh, Saints and the Dolphins are to be 2BC to or TBC in the coming week. Anybody, any final comments, Mark? Or just on the, yeah. on
1: the coaching situation? So O'Connell, I don't think it can be confirmed till after the Super Bowl. But it's generally being reported okay. that <laughs> it's going to happen. But I mean, we have to address the the fundamental elephant in the room in one respect. and that You look at all these heights. O'Connell, Eberflus at the Bears. I mean, is that really a head coaching job? I suppose technically it is. Oh. Um, um, but um, you, you look at Nathaniel Hackett, you look at Brian Dayball. Four guys all getting their first shot at a head coaching gig. Josh McDaniel's getting his second shot at a head coaching gig. But then you look around the rest of the league and say, well, where's Raheem Morris's? or Todd Bowles' second shot. Where's the interviews for Eric Biannimi? Biannimi as well, yeah. You know, um, and there's a number of other coaches that could be influ- uh, mentioned in that breath. So, obviously, the allegations, the lawsuit that Brian Flores is bringing against the National Football League. Um, when you look at the pattern of behavior that's occurred this off-season, you have to say there are serious accusations, there are serious questions to be answered, and indeed, obviously, it's not for us to sit and judge. We're not party to any of those discussions or what is occurring in relation to it, but it raises uh, very valid points of concern for a 40-year-old coach who, and we will, don't worry, people get to the actual Super Bowl and people still in the postseason, (laughs) we will get there. Um, But bear in mind his last appearance in the postseason, he leads a defense as defensive coordinator, that only gives up three points in the entire Super Bowl. And a 40 years old has... You know, put a very difficult position for the rest of his career, but potentially for the right reasons and everything. So, uh, I think there are serious questions to be asked in the NFL in relation to that, and it would be remiss of us not to acknowledge. Yeah, uh, the, that I question. think the
2: NFL has admitted, and you know, um, you know that the, it's a flawed system, and that. But here's the, here's the issue that, as I see it, that that makes it so very difficult. The National Football League what is the national football league so let's define the national football league it's not the players it's not the coaches it's not the commissioner it's not you know anybody that works in the nfl office it's the owners and you have now we have 30 owners because you guys don't have an owner and and when bronco land and and the packers are don't function with an owner so there are 30 owners who do the hiring and the firing. And it bothers me that the National Football League gets plastered with this when they can, the commissioner does not have the power to go to uh, an owner, Mark, da- you know, Mark Davis or anybody and say, you have to hire this guy, right? So the onus is on the ownership, the owner's hearts, the owner's minds. Um, and that's a really difficult thing cuz the league let me t- just say this the league has done so much to try and ensure that minorities get an equal footing in hiring now is it enough no because it's we already recognize that it's it's a flawed system right they they recognize it's a flawed system and when you see reports of teams circumventing or or in the, in the Broncos case it wasn't circumventing the rule it was basically just going through the motions about the rule that says the, the Rooney rule that says you have to hi, you have to excuse me interview two minority candidates not from your building because Patrick Graham had interviewed with New York but he's an in-building so it doesn't qualify for the Rooney rule when when brian came back in and interviewed that satisfied the rooney rule the problem that happened was belichick reportedly sent a text before brian dable even interviewed i mean excuse me that brian flores even interviewed that brian dable had been hired and that made that interview basically a farce if that is in fact the case then the giants have got some answering to do and and denver has some answering to do They those people are all um Mentioned in this suit, and what's interesting about the suit, he made it a class action suit, which means that others can join the suit. So there's been already talk of uh, people outside, ex-coaches, guys that have been through this situation joining the suit, and that's when it's going to really get interesting to see how it comes. But we know that the system is flawed. We know that there's there has to be more done and you know again but i don't know i don't know how you mandate a change of heart in an owner
4: so that actually maybe that could, where i was going to go with this question jeff you didn't touch on the texans either so the texans still haven't got a head coach and michael has called out rightly the saints and the dolphins do you think the three organizations can step away from everything that's gone on over the past 10 days and still follow the process they believe is correct or do you think they will be in there I, I, I think
2: there's just so much there's going to be so much pressure on those organizations now both from inside and outside. Right. And I think that it was interesting that, you know, the the saints have already gone on record as saying that they thought Brian Flores did an amazing job in his first interview with the saints. Do I think it's, do I think he will get a job out of this or do I think it will ruin his career? I hope not. Right. Mm -hmm. I hope that that a guy who has done as much as he's done, he's guys, he's the only guy in 20 years that's put two back-to-back non-losing seasons together at Miami. And you know, obviously, there, the word was when he got fired and surprised everybody. They said it's because he couldn't get along with people, and they mentioned the fact that he's been through four offensive coordinators, four offensive line coaches, such and such, such. Was that the reason, or was it a smokescreen because of you know his relationship with the owner?
4: Did tanking pieces also come up? Well, in that's that's and that's that. Can we treat separately,
2: really? Well, and and that is. The question now was his his refusal to tank, to openly strategize to lose games, Did is that the reason that he was fired? Which is what he claims. And um, if that's the case, then now we're talking about the integrity of the game. So this goes way deeper now than just the Rooney rule yep. and minority hiring. When you start talking about the integrity of the game, and this may be, if that is in fact true, if those allegations are true, it may be something that's big enough to bring down Mr. Ross in Miami and they force him to sell the team. And,
1: and I just want to say, Jeff, on that, the integrity of the game potentially allegedly being paid to, you know, lose games in a league now that is open to gambling mm-hmm. on a regular well, basis
2: oh, is not a pleasant combination. Of no, practice. and and you and you know, Hugh Jackson said that. He, that he and he didn't say that they offered him money, but he said bonuses were structured in in Cleveland to quote tank for but for you know draft picks. That's a slippery, slippery slope. Now we're talking about something that's gonna be really, really interesting as we go forward.
1: The, the Black Sox and various other uh, franchises in different sports will be interested in that. I just want to say, just for the benefit of our viewers, of course, the NFL did come out when an express statement almost immediately after the suit was filed to say that the allegations are false and they'll be defending them to their fullest. Um, obviously, very reassuring for fans like in New Orleans and New England, for example, to know that they can uh, already concluded the investigation so quickly. So that's, that's well, reassuring.
2: Well, it, it's interesting, though. When they said that, they said, it's a. It's in relation. Their statement. They came back two days later and said their statement was in relationship to the hiring procedures, not what had gone on in Miami. Basis, not yeah. what had gone yeah. in. The Giants and and Denver and Miami are going to have to independently defend themselves.
3: Yeah, and just I think you've made a really interesting point around like the owners and that that process. The but I, I do think it maybe runs even a little bit deeper because if. To me, Mike Tomlin, who has had 15 um, winning seasons, was asked earlier this year, was he going to go back and coach college? I think we, um, you know, the the league has to do better. The owners have to do better. The media has to do better. I do not believe um, a... Another, like, Bill Belichick wouldn't have been asked that. And he uh, and Tomlin was right to call it out at the time. He said Sean Payton wouldn't be asked that question. I think that it needs... It, Brian Flores has raised a, a valid point uh, around this. And the fact that as we sit here today recording this, Mike Tomlin is the only minority head coach in the league, is something... Well, re- remove the Flores' allegations and just take it at that. That is something that absolutely has to change.
1: Yeah. There were seven two years ago seven minority head coaches two years ago. Yeah,
2: and, and and again, everybody talks about the same basic core group of guys. Why is Eric Biennemi not have a head job, right? He's an offensive coordinator for most explosive offense in football. Why does he not have a head job? Why does Byron Lefwich, who was the offensive coordinator of the team that won a Super Bowl and got deep in the playoffs the second year, why does he not have a head job? You know, again, those are questions that we can't answer. I mean, the logic, I mean, Leftwich was a logical candidate to me in Jacksonville, a place he played, right? But it didn't work out. Now, the word was that he wanted to—he didn't see eye to eye with Trent Baalke, and that he wanted his own personnel guy, and that's that's when he pulled his name out of the deal. So there's a lot of there's a lot of depth to the stories, but I agree with you guys. The fact that there's only one minority head coach. In, out of 32 teams in the national football league that's not good look for the national football league minimally not a good look
0: i think one thing that we can all agree on here is it's going to be an interesting offseason. seven months will fly by because there's going to be that much to talk about uh, coming up next we're going to talk about tom brady retiring and then we're also going to have a look ahead to next sunday in the super bowl stick with us on the irish nfl show